0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. This is episode 108 after... Another exciting offseason for the New Jersey Devils. My name is Dan Rosell, and I'm joined by John Fisher to talk about some of the new look Devils that, uh, you know, the the new look players that have joined the Devils in free agency and some of the players they managed to retain the services of in this uh, offseason period, as well as look ahead to what their minor league system might look like, because it's going to be a lot different considering the new uh, additions and subtractions from this year. So, John, it was one of the most exciting days in recent and really overall Devils fan history when you you know wake up the morning of free agency starting knowing and being pretty sure, I would say, that Douglas Hamilton, or Dougie as he's colloquially known, will be a New Jersey Devil. And so he was. It took a few hours into the deadline. Hammering out the details of the signing bonuses in the contract, I'm sure. But Dougie Hamilton is a New Jersey devil. The number one name off the free agent board has decided to come to Newark.
0: Yes. And the the rumors were hot. The Devils you know, were a logical point for a lot of discussion because the Devils needed defensemen. Uh, after the NHL draft, Tom Fitzgerald said he wanted three things in free agency. He wanted a 1B goaltender, a top six winger. And a quality defenseman. And if you're looking for quality defenseman, look no further to Dougie Hamilton, uh, Norris Trophy candidate, six foot six, 220 pounds of offense, defense, neutral zone play, shots, intangibles, everything that you would want in a top tier player. He has it. And I would go as far as to say, Dan, that of all the defensemen that signed contracts with cap hits of uh, over nine million dollars this this summer, and there have been several, Dan, Dougie. Is better than all of them.
1: Yeah, so he came in at a number that was less than Seth Jones. He came in at a mm-hmm. number that was less than Varensky. He came in at a number that was less than um, Darnell Nurse. Darnell Nurse as well, yeah. And he came at a number that was identical to P.K. Subban. So if we're talking about, you know, the specific devil's implications of this number that he got, it, it is essentially a one-to-one replacement money-wise for the Subban contract from an AAV perspective, but... The fact is that Dougie Hamilton is much more effective for that $9 million as Subban's $9 million will be coming off the books in a year no matter what happens. I mean, unless the Devils retain some sort of salary for an extended period later, but I don't really see no. them having to do that or having to do that beyond just this year. So his money will exactly. be off the books um, one way or another. So there you go. There's your perfect compliment there. And he stylistically complements another defenseman the Devils just acquired in Ryan Graves.
0: That's right. I mean, again, Dougie does it all, and there's been a lot of you know back and forth among analytics fans and regular fans and traditional fans about you know what type of player is Dougie Hamilton. And the fact of the matter is, this guy did not need uh, Jacob Slavin to be his security blanket, so to speak. He didn't need um, uh, Brody or uh, Giordano in uh, in Calgary to make it work. The guy has proven that. By himself, he can lead a pairing, but it would be best to pair him with somebody who is more defensive-minded, who is somebody who can just let Dougie do what he does with the puck, which is transition the puck forward really well, which is what the Devils uh, would want given their systems under Lindy Ruff. You know, get that puck out of the zone and move it as fast as you can to Jack Hughes, to Kwakinen, to Sharon Govich, to Heischer, to Pratt, and let them do work. And Hamilton, give him the puck on offense and he will fire it away. Um, so the other guy just needs to be somebody who can just be steady. And Ryan Graves has proven that he could be that type of player. And, um, that's part of the reason I think why they got him. I think his acquisition in retrospect was in anticipation of getting Dougie Hamilton, which, um, I gotta say, Dan is really exciting because we've seen the New Jersey Devils spend big on free agents in the past. We've seen them spend big contracts on, uh, players that they acquired and then re-signed like Ilya Kovalchuk. We saw with PK Subban that were willing to acquire a big contracted player, but this is maybe the first time they signed somebody from another team straight up and literally outbid them. Dan.
1: Yeah, th- this might be the best defenseman they've ever gotten in free agency, at least in the salary cap era for sure. Yeah, I mean, th- th- that's by far. Question: it- It's it's he's the best defenseman they've had from a creating offense perspective, since Brian Rafalski was on the team, it's, it's someone that they have been long pining for this type of player. And it's amazing that the conversation was apparently smooth enough with Fitzgerald that everyone was pretty sure that he was coming to New Jersey. So clearly there was a plan of attack there. They, they had some sort of, you know, they knew that Dougie Hamilton was approaching free agency in this specific time. And they seemed to be all over that with, the way they constructed the defense around that. And in that spirit, you know, a defender was, or number one defender was one of the main goals that Fitzgerald laid out, not just this year, but in the previous year. So he went out and got one of those. Now his other Mm -hmm. goals were a compliment to Mackenzie Blackwood, because when Blackwood's been in goal, even with his cold streaks over the last uh, three years, the devils are at about an 89 point pace, which isn't great, but it isn't, you know, 27 in the league bad where, When Mackenzie Blackwood's not in goal, they are running at about a 62-point pace, I think, something around there. Uh, Which is dead last. (laughs) That is dead last by a mile, and that is not acceptable. And that is why they went out. And while Dougie Hamilton was the most important signing of the day, I'd say, uh, Jonathan Bernier was the first free agent signing of the Mm -hmm. day for the Devils. And so he comes in at a two-year, $4.5 million deal, which, again, if you're going to complain about the money, realize it's for only two years.
0: And the Devils had tons of cap space to spend. Now, They technically, still have $12 million. They They still do. And that was actually the surprising thing, that it, even after the signing of Bernier and Hamilton, the Devils were still technically under the salary cap floor. Like, that's how much space they went into uh, that Wednesday. But Bernier's $4.125 million, um, is a little bit of an overpay. Um, but I will say that this guy played way better in Detroit than I think people give him credit for. I mean, mm-hmm. Detroit has been absolutely terrible to watch and yes not that we should be complaining too loudly and say <laughs> oh look we're so much better than detroit many many uh fans uh, traditional analytic whomever uh t- they tend to agree that if detroit did anything last season and in the season prior it's because bernier played out of his mind and his numbers have actually been very good so for a 1b goaltender considering that the devils could have jumped on the martin jones grenade like philadelphia did or uh, took took a chance on you know the bought out Braden Holtby, or uh, try to sign Philip Grubauer to a massive deal and bring up questions on whether or not Blackwood is your number one. Uh, they brought in Bernier, they overpaid him a little just to get him over. Bernier accidentally let it slip that Dougie was signing with the Devils during his media availability because <laughs> uh, he said, "Oh yeah, Dougie's a big chip. You know, it definitely makes you well, excited to join the team." And it's I like, don't... "Whoa, that wasn't official yet, John." But <laughs> I've been thinking whatever, about man. that. I'm wondering. I'm wondering if he knew, as
1: you know, more than what he was seeing in the media, or it was just so close at that point, even in the media, that he just kind of figured it was going to happen. I don't know that that was based on any sort of um, well, I do, insight, but maybe. I do
0: know somebody on our site. I, I forget the user uh, tracked a private plane that flown <laughs> from Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, to Teterboro Airport. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. So let's Fine. let's use our good friend logic here. Dougie Hamilton played for the Carolina Hurricanes. <laughs> and Bernier was traded from uh, Detroit to Carolina, but chances are he never left Detroit because that was literally a day before the trade yeah. uh, or yeah. a day or two before free agency. Uh, I got to say, Carolina took some L's on free agency and the Devils have benefited. Uh, well, before but, we worry about them, yeah. I, I just want to you know, this
1: is the role that Corey Crawford was supposed to play going into yes. last year. This was the veteran experience backup that had been a number one uh, for a team for several years now, but again, doesn't have to be in New Jersey because Blackwood is clearly what they're investing the most resources into development-wise, the the most resources into just uh, in terms of playing time. He He's the guy. And so Bernier is there to make sure that the Devils just have a chance to win games when he's not in the goal. It's something that, mm-hmm. you know, he can help Blackwood in terms of league experience, but it's just, they need something there. They need someone who is capable of stopping the puck as a backup goaltender, because that's been a glaring, glaring positional need. And, You know, speaking of glaring positional needs, all of a sudden they had a new one created when a top six forward left uh, during the trade deadline in Kyle Palmieri. So he had a chance to play with the Islanders for the Cup. They did not make it there, but it looks like he is going to be re-signing with them. And so the Devils had a need to acquire another scoring winger via trade or free agency, and one just happened to be sitting there in the Czech Republic, and uh, Tomáš Tatar signed a two-year deal with New Jersey, another two-year deal again. So it feels like they're recruiting these guys who can play by all measures. Tatar has had a couple of good regular seasons in a row. Um, His main knock has been playoff performances, but he's had a couple of good regular seasons in a row and he, again, for two years, he doesn't have to be the guy. He's there to hold a spot for uh, players like Holtz, players uh, that the Devils have in the pipeline, like Mercer as well. So he, it, it's not crucial, but if it works out, it's great. And it's it, there's no reason for it not to, since Tatar has proven that he can be consistent and productive in this league.
0: Not only that, Dan, he's literally one of the best five-on-five players in the league, period, mm-hmm. end stop. Like Montreal has been a dominant five-on-five team in recent seasons, and a big reason for that was guys like Tatar, guys like Philip Dano, who is now you know westward bound. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yes, you know, with with things like high Corsi values, high expected goal values, you have to wonder: is it the system? Is it the player? But Tatar wasn't just like, oh, I have great five-on-five numbers. He literally had some of the best in the entire league, <laughs> like. He was near 60%. Every time he took a shift on the ice stand, the Montreal Canadiens had 60% of the shooting attempts and nearly 60% of the shots, 60% of the goals, 60% of the scoring chances. Like, I don't care. You're doing something absolutely fantastic and correct. And remember, Montreal almost didn't make the playoffs last season. Mm-hmm. They were there were a couple bad games from uh, missing entirely. So those types of performances absolutely help out. And yes, I know the big knock on it was he got scratched during the playoffs. Well, you can thank the head coach for deciding to turn the Deno line into a shutdown line, which mm-hmm. doesn't suit a guy like Tatar who needs to attack. Well, guess what? Tatar can be used in New Jersey to attack. He absolutely bolsters the top six. He bolsters them in five on five play. And if he can show some good stuff on a power play, all the better, because um, the Devils could absolutely use uh, him as a, uh, they can basically use him either with Jack Hughes or Nico Heischer and make that line go even further.
1: And it looks like that's how they sold it to him. Also. He, he spoke about, um, you know, playing with the two of those guys. He spoke about the fact that the devils are up and coming in that realm. They have a lot of young players and um, it, he certainly seems more than excited about the opportunity to play in New Jersey. So it's very good to see that that's something that's becoming Uh, more of a destination now, and uh, now it's time to deliver. I mean, we've seen this so many times, but (laughs) we've won the off-season, quote-unquote, for several years of the last five, and it has manifested nothing. So this is it. This is the, okay, you've gone out there, you've addressed all the things that people said you need to address about the team, including yourself. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them, certainly. There needs to be some tangible growth. There needs to be something that... If it doesn't deliver at this point, then these off-seasons mean nothing. Then the whole strategy has to change. Then clearly this plan, whatever it is, is not working. So this is, in my eyes, the manifestation of, okay, if we don't see progress here, well, then it's time to really scrap everything. But um, there's a lot riding on this year, but I I think there's a lot more hope among Devils fans, at least that they can handle it now. So, yeah. um... And that's
0: why, that's why a lot of these contracts, Dan are so short term. I mean, the only, the Devils only have two long-term contracts on the books in Dougie Hamilton. Mm -hmm. So no matter whatever happens, he's going to be around for a while. And uh, Nico Heischer, because he Mm -hmm. signed his big extension. The only other big extension I see forthcoming would be the eventual Jack Hughes extension, because he's on his last year of his ELC. You absolutely positively want to lock him up. Uh, But other than that, yeah, if things go awry, you know, the next general manager will not have a, he'll not be tied down by a lot of bad assets. I mean, Dougie Hamilton, Nico Heischer, and Jack Hughes are not bad assets to have. It almost begs the question of, if you can't build a team around these guys, and the problem is clearly with the management (laughs) it's not the players um but you're absolutely right there has to be some uh progress there has to be some results and uh to that end that speaks to the type of contracts of the two last rfas that the devils uh re-signed um shortly after the tatar sign or actually on the same day of the tatar signing literally hours before he was announced yegor Sharangovich got his new Mm -hmm. deal which is a two-year contract at $2 million per year. It's a bridge deal. It's basically, we like what you did as a rookie. Now show me, you can do more. Mm-hmm. And they took the same approach with Yanni Kwokin and he comes in at a little less money because he wasn't as productive as Sharagovic. But again, the same story is with him. And now that Tatar's on the team, that Lindy Ruff and his coaches will have a lot more options to say, look, we're not just going to, you know, if you're Jaeger, Sharagovic, you're Yanni Kwokin, you, you're not going to guarantee, you have to go into the season knowing you're not always going to be next to Jack Hughes. You're going to have to perform without Jack Hughes. And if you can do that, more money will be in your future. But if not, you know. And the big thing to note,
1: well, a big thing to note also is that this marks the first time in the last three years that they will not have a holdout before camp starts. So that's nice. That's right. Um, Very good that they got every bit of business squared away. I think it's just going to help them focus on, um, you know, things that are more important and things that they need to be focusing on. And And they even...
0: They even dumped Will Butcher onto Buffalo. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So yeah, he got shipped to Buffalo for a fifth rounder. So um... no, no, no. The devil sent a fifth rounder. Oh, They sent a him. fifth to take him. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah.
0: The devil's got the ever popular uh, future considerations. Yeah. Him, so I, is... I'm not
1: sure what they're going to get, but which is nothing. it's nothing. <laughs> Will Butcher's time in New Jersey came to an end and, you know, it just never seemed like he fit the new plan that the manager was no. going for ever since they hired Lindy Ruff. So um, best of luck to him in buffalo uh i mean in general it seems like there's been a lot of overhaul for that franchise as well but yeah that's kind of the housekeeping that went around the devils now again we just said they still have 12 million of space so theoretically there's nothing precluding them from signing a a few more players but uh it's hard to envision what's on the market at this point that they would even want um in terms of filling another need in I would say they need maybe another penalty killer or something for special teams would be a wise way to spend that 12 million. I don't know who fits that bill, but ideally they do something with that.
0: Yeah. And for me, I think the big point of need now would be finding another center. If you're the opinion that Pavel Zaka should not play center. And if you don't trust Jesper Boakvist because he was pretty bad last season and Michael McLeod is, Michael McLeod without Nathan Bastion was not good last season either. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, you're going into this season with uh, Nico Kiescher, uh, Jack Hughes, Michael McLeod, and Question Mark as your four, your four centers on the team. So unfortunately, the, the remaining free agents available that could play center, you know, you're know, you basically scraping the bottom of the barrel, so to speak. Tyler Bozak is a veteran option, but he's not that good. Eric Stahl would actually be, if you're looking for a super old veteran, but he's actually still still got some quality in him. That would be nice, but I don't know if he's even going to play next season or if he wants to move again. Um, I don't know. You know, you don't want to, you have to be careful when you look at positions on cap friendly among the free agents, because they'll list somebody as a center, but similar to Jaeger, Sharon Govich, like they don't play center. So it that kind of defeats the purpose. Right. Uh, but again, the big thing on, on that Wednesday, July 28th, the biggest thing was to get Dougie and to get Bernier um, and the devils did that. So I'm not going to say Fitzgerald should have gotten their center then, but I think it's going to be one of those things where it's going to, you're going to have to either be a little more creative or you're going to have to put a lot of hope in Zaka or Bokvist or uh, someone in the system to come in and play center to uh, support the other three that I just mentioned.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's not that far away. Training camp is um, somewhere around only a month away at this point. So, yep, a lot
0: question,
1: so a lot of questions are going to be answered very quickly about what this next devil's team is going to look like. And, um, we had the schedule release happen. We have a lot of information about the season. Just uh, one thing we're not quite sure of yet is fan presence as uh, the situation continues to develop. But we, I think we're going to have, um, I, I think we should expect fans in the building to whatever extent we can, um, I don't know. It's hard to say at this point because it seems that we're throwing a few more things back into flux, but we're all obviously hoping we can see this fast iteration of the Devils. And for those of us that can't see the Devils specifically but live closer to upstate New York, there's a new franchise – well, not a new franchise, but a new, um, new management for an existing AHL franchise in Utica – and the Utica Devils uh, had Habits. some business. Oh, sorry. I get the Comets, not the Devils, uh, formerly known as the Devils in like the early 90s. But uh, the Comets had some business uh, done in their interest as well as the Devils found them a coach. And also, they found them some players to supplement the system there. I mean, the- there's some experienced NHL slash AHL vets that the Devils yeah. have inked to um, to supplement Utica.
0: Yeah. And that's common. Um, typically to get those AHL veterans on your team, you basically need to give them an NHL contract because, uh-huh. you know, their big interest is if they get called up for a couple games, you know, if they get paid, they get paid handsomely. Uh-huh. Uh, they're not going to be just settling for AHL deals, which some of them are getting some pretty significant AHL salaries, but that's, that, that's how the game is played in the AHL. That's just uh-huh. how it works. But uh, the big thing is that the Devils hired Kevin Deneen, yeah. As the AHL head coach. And if that name sounds familiar, that's because he played literally forever. Through, well, okay. Not literally forever, but throughout <laughs> the entire 1980s and 1990s, he played for Hartford played a little bit for Philadelphia where he got infamously stoned by uh Martin Bredore on a breakaway uh, played for Car- Hartford's last season before they moved to Carolina. And he played for Carolina's first season. He got picked up by Columbus in the expansion draft. Uh, he's seen, he's seen a lot. And then literally right after his last season with Columbus, he went right into management, uh, was a scout for a season, was an assistant general manager for two seasons, and then went right into coaching with the Portland pirates where his teams were very successful, got a shot to play, to be the head coach of Florida, of which he was the behind, he was opposite Peter DeBoer in 2012. in that infamous series that scared the living hell out of me and many other devil Uh fans because Florida came very, very close to knocking off the devils in that first round. Uh, Dineen, unfortunately, the Panthers uh, suffered and were real bad after that playoff run that, that uh, lasted seven games for them. He got uh, fired, went to be an assistant for Chicago during some of their glory days with John Quenville, uh, Joel Quenville rather. And uh, Joel Quenville got fired and sort of Dineen. So he went back into AHL coaching with the San Diego goals <laughs> and the goals have been successful in their two seasons. And I guess the goals decided not to keep Dineen. So the Devils, the, I'm sorry, the New Jersey Devils decided to hire uh, Kevin Deneen and then move Mark Dennehy into a head scouting position.
1: Yeah, I'm very interested to learn about how that came about, considering that Dennehy had had some success uh, with the AHL team before last season. I mean, for Binghamton last year. Uh, It was an absolute disaster, but mainly because the NHL squad was so ravaged by injuries and COVID that there were barely any players available for Binghamton to even use. And so just a disaster season for them. But the season before, it looked like he had gotten a pretty good response to them. So I'm kind of surprised that they took him out of some sort of coaching role. Uh, But, you know, if he was if he had an interest in development, I guess he had proven that young players can respond to him so maybe that's something to consider uh in his new role
0: yeah i mean it's a bit of an off-the-wall decision i mean clearly they like mark dennehy they didn't just dump him um i think the success you're referring to is when tom fitzgerald infamously told uh dennehy stop playing like new jersey and start coaching the way you want to coach and all of a sudden Binghamton became the hottest team in the AHL, and they were going to be playoff bound until covid happened yep uh, but you know You could argue that Denny, he could have deserved like a full proper season, you know, in Utica. But I think this makes a lot of sense uh, because Deneen has something that most AHL coaches of the Devils didn't have, um, not since Fatorik back in the mid-90s, which was somebody who's been a coach in the AHL for a while. Yeah. Somebody who understands how it works in the AHL and his teams in his seven, eight years in uh, coaching in that league, his teams have only missed the playoff one time. And the Utica Comets, it would be great if they could at least compete to play for a playoff spot. I'm not saying they need to win the Calder Cup, Dan, but they got to not get destroyed every, you know, every two games out of the three game weekend. You know, it's not good for development to get bodied.
1: Exactly. It helps the young players to kind of play with more stakes. It helps to... Um, give them situations where they're more used to playing games that matter and that's something that mm-hmm. we haven't had in a long time but you you feel those sometimes in you know moments where the devils come back they gain a few standings points to get to hop arrival but this is the year where they really want to start gaining that kind of experience they want to be playing important games in march and they want to have people who are playing important games as late as february march in the respective yeah. leagues that you, yeah, you don't want any more you know we're sitting out the summer, no matter what level of play we're
0: at. Exactly. And it would be also good, especially better for the Comets, because this is a new, this is a new affiliation for them. I know Vancouver's had that. They basically revived hockey in that city. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Robert Esh is excited. Yes. It's the same Robert Esh who played goaltender. So yep. feel old everybody. Uh, but he's the president of the Comets and, I think he's looking forward to this team trying to be competitive because it is a very young AHL team. And that's why the Devils went out and signed guys to replace the Matt Tennyson's and Connor Carrick's and Ben Streets with guys like uh, 33-year-old Brian Flynn, uh, 25-year-old multi, multi-positional forward Chase DeLeo, who actually played for Deneen in San Diego. So mm-hmm. he's already somebody who can expect uh, can have some expectations. They signed Joseph Gamb- Gambardella um, you know, as another veteran for two years. And then for the defense, they added uh, Robbie Russo uh, as a right sided defenseman uh, to help supplant, again, a very young blue line. Because, again, if you go to Cap Friendly and you look at that non roster list, the majority of that Utica projected roster, like that's going to be like almost half of the top 25 under 25 list yeah. that you can still vote on uh, through All About the Jersey, by the way. Not to mention, they still have a very young goaltending tandem coming in with Akira Schmidt and Nico Dawes. I imagine Scott Wedgwood will, will show up with them. So he can be their veteran presence. Mm-hmm. But again, Deneen is going to have a lot of young guys to help mold and develop. Traditionally, the devil's organization has always wanted the AHL teams to uh, develop as opposed to compete. But I think it's the best for everybody involved. If this team can be, again, as you say, play some meaningful games in March and April. So this way the fans stay interested, the players stay interested and, you know, you're getting the best that you can get out of them, which is always better for development rather than, you know, as you say, take the summer off, take the month off and, you know, don't, don't put in the full effort because you know, you're not going to get the call up or you know that uh, you don't have to try as hard for, for, for nothing.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. So, um, you know, on that front, it seems like for the most part, business has been taken care of, we can look ahead to the start of training camp free agency. Like we said, they still have some cap room to play with. So don't be surprised if they bring in another couple of players, no matter the gradation, really, it doesn't have to be anyone major. It doesn't have to be a known name. They just have a lot of money to use and not a lot of players being used on now. So it just makes sense that they would have to put that somewhere or, you know, maybe plan out some sort of trade speculatively where they could take on a bigger cap hit, but that all being said, that's something that we'll likely not be privy to as it gets closer to training camp. Um, but we'll have you know more interpretation of the Devils' lineups, more uh, arrangements of you know how we think the Devils will present themselves. Really, we'll see what they look like in training camp, in the preseason, and which rookies look like they might be the Yegor um, Sharangovich of last year. Who's going to break out and who's going to earn a surprising spot on this team?
0: Yeah, there's definitely, despite the additions of Tatar, Hamilton, and uh, okay, maybe not Bernier, there's only two spots for goaltender, but despite those signings, there's still room to compete, there is going to be, you know, opportunities and ice times available, and as we know, Dan, guys get hurt during the season, guys, you know, have issues, so it's very important that you establish who your call-ups are going to be, who's going to be your go-to guy, from Utica that you're going to call up, especially on defense, you know, is it going to be Kevin ball again? Is it going to be Riley Walsh? Is it going to be maybe Nikita? Maybe it's somebody else entirely. You know, that's the sort of thing that is always important to do in training camp, even if it's not as, um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here. It's not, you know, something to highlight. It's not sexy. It's not, you know, something that's going to garner thousands of hits and tons of comments arguing over who it's going to be, but that's the value of this coming up. And I'm happy to say that the devils have uh, they haven't locked themselves into a situation where these younger guys are uh, not going to get a situation to play. There will be opportunities available uh, for all involved and uh, it should make for a very fun training camp uh, and a very fun preseason when that happens in um, a little over a month and a half from now.
1: Now we learn if guys like Nolan foot guys like uh, Tice Thompson can keep up with the, you know, new and improved squad, the devils, you know, had a defense that wasn't cutting it over the last two years. And so what they do, they completely overhauled it. There there are two defensemen that they retained that saw significant minutes last year. Other than that, it's all new. It's, it's all new players to the devils. And so we'll see how that manifests, but it should be a lesson that, you know, you don't perform, you're going to get overhauled. You're going to be part of this you know, aim to get better. And clearly the defense was something that they identified as a significant issue because it was. And so there you go. It's completely different now.
0: Yes. And and, and this leads me to a final point. And this is spurred on by a email I got this morning from uh, Doug, our, our favorite listener, because uh, he's been sending us emails, asking us questions. And he'd like to know, um, you know, why do you think Hamilton signed? Maybe it was something, maybe he likes the players, maybe he likes the neighborhoods, maybe he doesn't like the travel so much. Uh, And honestly, Doug, it's really the money. And I I, I'm very proud to say this because for many seasons, the Devils have correctly, in my opinion, not spend a lot of money on this team. Like if you're not expected to be good, the last thing you want to be is capped out. Uh Well, now the Devils went out and committed $63 million to Dougie Hamilton. They literally outbid Carolina for Carolina, depending on who you listen to offered only $52 million over seven years or uh, $58 million over, over eight years. So the Devils literally outbid Carolina for Dougie Hamilton, which is a big win, not just for Tom Fitzgerald, but also for those who want to see ownership spend some money. They went uh-huh. out and spent over $8 million to secure Jonathan Bernier. They spent $9 million to get uh, Thomas Tatar on the books. And when we, if and when we see the Jack Hughes extension, that'll be even more of a sign that Now that you, as we say, we expect the Devils to actually do something this coming season. Well, I think ownership agrees because they're now opening up the checkbook. They're now opening up the purse strings. They're now, um, you know, giving giving uh, Tom Fitzgerald the proverbial platinum card to go out and uh, make some moves happen. And as such, the Devils are no longer dead last in in uh, cap hit for next season. They're still in the bottom end but they're closer to $70 million, which is maybe the highest cap that they're going to have in a very long time. You know, they still have $12 million to play with, but in past seasons, we were used to seeing them having like 18, 19, $20 million. Mm -hmm. So already you're starting to see ownership spend more money. And now the criticism about, Oh, ownership doesn't want to spend money. Now they are, but as ever, (sighs) they got to perform on the ice. Now. I think the pandemic is pandemic combined
1: with the devil's general futility of the last couple of years is definitely a, it's a hitting Everyone's him in a wallet.
0: A, yeah. I mean, every, every, well, to be fair, it's good to have billionaire owners, <laughs> you know, yes, yes. Josh Harris and David Blitzer, as you see with their other sports holdings, they're not hurting, you know, Crystal Palace isn't, you know, uh, you know, bumming it in league one, you know, the Sixers aren't uh, playing for scraps. Uh, I think they bought a share in the Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers of the NFL. I'll so say you know.
1: it, it's got to feel bad seeing a market like Tampa Bay be so wildly successful for hockey
0: well again it starts with ownership it starts with management being aggressive and uh but aggressive to a point and um you know and they're hitting their window you know yeah it's one of those things where we could snarkly sit there and go oh they're gonna hate their situation in 2026 yeah and they're gonna enjoy the two cups that they have yeah and maybe a third or a fourth in the meantime like Guys, you know, you're not playing, you're, you know, you only think that far out if you have nothing to look forward to. And what yes. it means is you got to go out there and hit your mark. And I'm hoping the Devils are realizing that, you know, with Hisher being young, Hughes being young, so many of the future players on this team being in their quote unquote prime ages, uh, the time to strike, if, if it's not next season, it's got to be next season or the season after. It's, if, what I'm saying is you can't prepare for the next five years. You, it's got to start happening like now. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: And in that spirit, uh, once we have more news on what those devils will look like, we'll obviously get back to you with another episode. Uh, but in the meantime, if you've got any questions for us, be sure to let us know. Um, and if you have any ideas about you know content you'd want to see going into training camp, we're happy to talk about all things devils, obviously. And again, hopefully that 12 million is put towards something really, really good the devils can use in the future. All right. So with all that being said, John, any final words here?
0: Uh, other than that, I'm pretty happy with how things are going. I don't want to be super negative and said, I said the same thing in 2019. <laughs> because mm-hmm. I think you, I, and a lot of Devil fans, if we go back to 2019, we go, wow, this sounds very familiar to what we're saying now. Yeah. But I really do think that things are set up better now, now that you have an older Pittsburgh team, an older Washington team. Uh, our hated rivals are apparently going are going to try to turn back the clock to 1987. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the 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 stars are starting to align for the devils to take a leap forward. And um I really hope I really hope they, they could do that. At the very least, please do not pick in the bottom five. Yeah. Just don't pick in the bottom five. I know the 2022 draft class is gonna be amazing, but no pick in the bottom five. I'm done with picking in the bottom five, Dan.
1: I'm done yeah. with it. So let's hope that's exactly what it is. It's a step forward coming for New Jersey, and we'll be with you every step of the way as they do that. All right. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. Have a good rest of your week, everyone.